morning once again. A number of years ago, I was interviewing at a large church to be the junior student ministry pastor, and I had one interview where I was meeting with the three teaching pastors of this church, and I'll never forget the question that this one teaching pastor asked me. He said, uh, when you think of your dad, what is the very first thing that comes to your mind? And I said, well, that's really easy. I said, when I was a senior in high school, I barely made the varsity soccer team. I didn't play soccer since eighth grade, and some, for some reason the, the coach had pity on me and let me be on the soccer team. And so I, here I was, I was on the soccer team, and we had this one day, it was a, a cold fall day, and we had a soccer game. Well, actually, as the game was starting to start, it started to rain really heavily. And I played my usual position as bench warmer in that game. And uh, I decided, you know, I'm going to just kind of see what's going on around me. And I decided just to look over to the bleachers to see what fans were there that day. Well, I looked over in the bleachers. There's only about half a dozen people there. And I looked there, and one of those was my dad. And for that whole day, that whole game, my dad sat through a cold, rainy fall day, even though I didn't get to play in that game at all that day. And I said, that's what I think about when I think about my dad. My dad has always been there. He's always been encouraging me, always cheering me on. Even if I'm not playing in the big game, he's still there encouraging me. I know that a lot of you here this morning have pleasant stories about your dad. When you think about your dad, you have pleasant memories. And you could say, "I, I could speak hours about my dad. But I'm sure there's others of you here this morning that it's not, that's not the case. And maybe you're like my friend Jason. When I first started out as, in student ministry, as, just as a leader, I formed a, fr- a strong friendship with a, a young boy named Jason. He was a sophomore in high school, and it was wintertime. And I, I decided I was going to pick him up and we'd take him snowboarding while I skied. And I'll never forget what happened when Jason first got in my car. There's a guy in my car, and he said, uh, well, you know that my dad and I, we don't really have a really good relationship. As a matter of fact, uh, the only time my dad ever talks to me is when he wants to do work around the house, and other than that, we don't really talk that much. And he said, I tried something different today. He said, uh, I decided I, I would try talking to my dad. So I, I went to my dad's computer room, and there was my dad on the computer, and his eyes were glued to the computer, and as I talked to him, my dad said, responded to me, yeah, uh-huh. And he said, never once did he take his eyes off the computer and look at me. And he said, I don't think I'll ever try doing that again. And Jason so longed for a close relationship with his dad, and he never had that through his high school years. Now, I don't know uh, how you feel about your earthly father today, but I want to talk to you about your heavenly father And your Heavenly Father is absolutely crazy about you. He just longs to have an incredible relationship with you. I want to ask you this morning to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. And this morning we're going to to learn three reasons why we need to run to our Father. Three reasons why you need to run to your Father this morning. As you turn to Luke 15, the context is that Jesus was teaching parables to a mixed crowd of sinners and tax collectors and Pharisees, and teachers of the law. And if you remember, tax collectors, they were known for dishonesty and immorality. The Roman government would set a tax, and tax collectors would add as much as he wanted to make his own income. 
the Pharisees thought they were the righteous guys. They thought that they were righteous and God liked what they were doing and everybody else was a sinner and everybody else was like a tax collector and they didn't associate with those kinds of people. So open up to Luke 15, verse 1, and it says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. What's going on here is that the tax collectors and sinners, they didn't know God. They didn't have a relationship with God. And the Pharisees had a wrong view of God. They thought that God was just about following a bunch of rules, about a bunch of legalism, and if we, if we maintain the purity of, of the Jewish, Jewish faith, then God's going to be pleased with us. And, and they had a wrong view of God. Well, this morning I hope to paint a picture of, of a little bit better of what God is like and how much he loves you and how much he cares for you. If you're reading your um, outline there, the first reason that you need to run to your father is because your father sees your need. Your father sees your need. Look with me in Luke 15, verses 3 to 7. It says, And Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now what's going on here is that there are ninety-nine sheep in the sheepfold that are safe and sound and we're doing well. But there's this one little sheep who decided one day, he's like, you know what? I decided I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah, I've had food and I've been protected, but I wanted to see what life is like on my own. So he starts wandering away from the other 99 sheep. Now imagine what's going on in this, this one little sheep's life. Here he is, he's wandering around, and, and he thought that life would be better apart from the flock, apart from the shepherd. But as he's wandering out there, he starts to realize, you know, boy, it's, it's kind of hard to find food out here. I know my shepherd, he always took me to green pastures, but I'm having a tough time finding food. And, and as I sleep at night, I'm starting to hear all these animals, these howls, and, and there's predators out there that want to take my life, and it's, it's not as safe as, as I thought when I was with my shepherd. He always protected me, but now I'm all alone, and it's not safe out here. And besides, some of the times when I'm walking, I'm walking up these hills and these mountains, Boy, there's some pretty dangerous paths here, and I could slip and fall, and my shepherd, he would always watch over me, and he would help me and guide me. And so here's this little sheep, and, he, and he's out there, and he's lost, and he's hurting, and he's in need. And the shepherd knows that this sheep's in need. So what does the shepherd do? He leaves his 99, and he goes searching for that lost sh- sheep. For some of you this morning, life has been hard. Your life already shows the scars of a harsh realities of life. Maybe there's people that you thought you could trust and maybe they've used you or abused you. Maybe you've made poor choices in your life and you've dug a hole and you're finding yourself hopeless and helpless this morning. And maybe like this lost sheep, you've wandered away from your Heavenly Father and you're saying, I need to get back with Him. But you know what's great is that God sees your need. Your Father sees your need, and He wants you to come to Him and have this intimate relationship with Him. I want to ask you, what is the need this morning that you're struggling with? 
God sees that need and he wants to meet that need. When I was in kindergarten, sometimes my parents would let me walk to school. And so as I, for me to walk to school, it was about a two or three um, blocks down the road. And then there was this long field and I would walk through this path down this long field. So this one morning, it was winter time, and the snow had fallen. It was about two or three feet high already. And I, was, uh, I got down the two or three blocks, and I started making my way down this path. For some reason, I got really cold, and I, I, I was losing strength. And as a little kindergarten guy, I, I started falling down. I would get up, and I said, i got to make it to school. And I would take a couple steps, and I'd keep falling down. And finally, I just gave up, and I just was just lying in the middle of this path. And... There was nobody around. I guess everybody was already at school. And so here I was, and I was laying there for a few minutes, and, and I could see the school in the far distance, and I, I just wasn't there. And I said, I don't know what's going to happen to me. Well, about five or ten minutes later, this high school boy comes, and he sees me in the path, and he picks me up, and he carries me to my school, and he hands me to my kindergarten teacher where I was safe, and I got warm again. Imagine this. If a high school boy had enough compassion to see me when I was in need and carry me to my kindergarten teacher, how much more does your Heavenly Father have compassion for you when you are in need? Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32 says this, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? This morning, your Father, your Heavenly Father is seeking after you and He sees your need and He wants you to run to Him. He wants you to stop trying to figure out life on your own. He wants to walk with you hand in hand. And look what happens when we return to our Father. In verses 5 to 7, what happens to the sheep? The shepherd places the sheep on his shoulders and he carries them home. And when he gets home, what happens he gathers his neighbors and his friends together and they rejoice because the sheep that was now lost is now found. The second reason why you need to run to your father this morning is your father sees you as valuable. Your father sees you as valuable. Look at verses 8 to 10 of Luke 15. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says... Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now when a Palestinian woman got married in that day, she would receive a bunch of coins. And that would be her wedding present. And what she would do with these silver coins is that she would take them and make them into a headband, into a chain. Well, imagine if... Uh, the ladies in this room lost their wedding ring. How valuable and how important that was. That's what it was like losing one of these coins. It was like losing her wedding ring. So what she does is, this lady, she uh, goes and searches all through her house. She takes a, a little broom made of palm twigs and takes a little lamp. And, and the houses then didn't really have windows. They were usually dark and often windowless. And she's searching for this lost coin. I want you to think, how hard was she searching for this lost coin? She searched very carefully until she found it because it had so much value to her. That's why it had so much value to her. And the same way God says, you have so much value to me. I've often heard that there are three needs of every person. We have needs to be loved, accepted, and feel significant. 
And I really believe that God has placed in each one of us a desire to feel significant and valued. But you know what the problem is? The problem is that we try to find that value and that significance in everywhere else but God. So I've seen a lot of teenagers and they try to find value and significance in a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And unless they have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, they just don't feel valued. They just don't feel significant. I've seen other people, they try to find their value and significance in their work and then they want to get those pats on the back from their boss and they don't feel value until their boss gives them that. Others, maybe we try to find it in our, in our families and we, just, we want that value and significance in the eyes of our spouse or our children. Or maybe even as we're older and as we're adults now, we're still trying to find that value and significance maybe in our earthly father. You know, there's nothing wrong in itself of, of being valued in each of those areas. But when those people take the place of letting God find value in us, then we've crossed the line and made that idolatry. We need to find value in really no one else but Jesus Christ. I remember uh, my first 4th of July here in Illinois, and I was living out uh, in Caneville on a farm, and I had one neighbor, and he was across the drive in his family. And uh, now if, you, if you've ever been out in Caneville, and it's nothing but cornfields out there, and on the 4th of July, the great thing is you've got a great seat to see fireworks from all different cities out there. So he said, hey, this is a great place to see fireworks on the 4th. Why don't you come on over and watch fireworks with us? I said, oh, that would be great. So it was kind of uh, early in the afternoon and he invited us and getting towards later afternoon um, Beth and I are outside and one of the things that we have at our, at our house is we have these two cats we have Zoe and Oscar and, uh, and one of the things uh, you need to know is that Beth and I we really loved our cats before we had kids now some of you guys have no idea what we're talking about you saying you know how can you love cats you, you don't understand where that comes from because you have no sympathy for cats but we love our cats so uh, and uh, but we loved them, and um, she would, uh, sometimes Beth, they were house cats, and sometimes Beth would let them go outside and just kind of sniff around and chase after the bugs and maybe chase after the mice if they were out there. Well, this one day, this 4th of July, uh, we let our cats out, and the corn was pretty high. It was already about test high that day. And we, as it was getting late afternoon, we realized that one of our cats was missing. Zoe was missing. And so um, we started looking, and we started calling for Zoe, and we started you know, scanning the cornfield and saying, Zoe, where are you? Where are you? And we started looking everywhere for Zoe. He used to say, uh, Beth was quite upset, and uh, so I was somewhat too. And uh, so we started calling out, and Beth was crying out and praying. And we knew it, it was getting darker and darker and darker. And then here the fireworks are starting to go off, and we still haven't found our cat. And so, like, this is not good. And we didn't even care about the fireworks anymore because we value this cat so much. Well, just as about the fireworks were about to end, you know, Beth kept calling for Zoe. We heard this little meow, and there comes Zoe. And I cannot begin to tell you the joy of when we finally found our lost cat, of how excited and how happy we were that day. You know, we value things in this earth like a cat or maybe something or other things. Oh, in Matthew chapter 10, it talks about how much our Father values us. If you turn to Matthew chapter 10, verse 29. Talks about how God cares even about the sparrows and, and knows the hairs on your head. Matthew ten twenty nine says, "Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered." Verse thirty one. So don't be afraid. You are worth more 
than many sparrows. You know, when your value comes from your Heavenly Father, we are like the lost coin that is found, and there is rejoicing in heaven with the angels. I want to ask you this morning, where are you looking for value? Are you looking for value in the things of this world, or are you looking for value in people instead of God? Our value needs to come from our Heavenly Father. So, we need to run to our Heavenly Father, first of all, because He sees your need. Second reason is because He sees you as valuable. And the third reason why you need to run to your Father is because your Father longs for a loving relationship with you. Your Father just longs for a loving relationship with you. Look at me back in Luke chapter 15, and we'll read verse 11 till the end. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. Then go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the, fa- the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now what happened here? The younger son, he asked for his inheritance early. Now what that would mean is this, that the older son would get a double portion and the younger son would get half of what the older brother would. So if you had two sons, you would divide into thirds and the older son would later on would get two-thirds of all the estate and the younger son only got one-third. So the younger son got a third of, the, of his dad's estate. In the ancient world, this son probably would be in his teens and single. And when he was asking for his inheritance, he really was saying this. He's saying, Dad, I really wish you were dead because if you were dead, I would have gotten this inheritance. And so that's really what he was saying. Now, what does he do with his inheritance? He wasted it. You know, the word prodigal really actually means wasteful. So that's when we say prodigal son, we're saying the wasteful son. And then what happens is a famine hits the land, and the son, the younger son, run, 
has spent all his money living a sinful life. And he says, you know, I have no food and life is really hard. There's a famine. So I'm going to hire myself out to one of these citizens in this foreign country. So he hires himself out to a citizen and he finds himself taking care of pigs. Now, as a Jewish person, that was the lowest of low. Because as a Jewish person, a Jewish person never, ever touched pigs. They never ate pigs. They would never sacrifice pigs. So here he is feeding these pigs. And as he's feeding these pigs, he's saying, boy, look at these pigs. They've got it pretty good compared to me. They've got some food and I don't have anything. And well, then the turning point comes in verse 17. It says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. What happens in verse 17 is he looked at himself. He saw his hunger. He looked at his homesickness and his loneliness. But he didn't just stop there. He wasn't just looking at his life. He's, then he looked at the goodness of his father. And he said, look at how my father takes care of his servants. If I could only just go home and even just be a servant, then I would have a place to stay and I would have food to eat. You know, often in our lives it takes sorrow and tragedy to occur before we finally turn to God. Maybe in your life you haven't come to that point yet. But what's it going to take in your life for you to finally turn to God, to run to God? We know from the story that the father ran to his son when he saw him coming down the road. Now we also know, and maybe you've heard before, that in the ancient Near East, old men don't run. And this is what the amazing thing about this too, is that as the father was running to the son, the father didn't even know if this, his son was repentant. For all he knew, his son could have still had this wild, crazy, sinful lifestyle, but his father loved his son so much he ran to him and he didn't, without even knowing if that was true or not. And you know, according to Deuteronomy 21, you know what the consequence of a son who disobeyed his father and disrespected his father was? Was to be stoned. And imagine this, all the neighbors knew what this young son did, that he went off in this wild living. And if all the neighbors decided, you know what, the punishment for the young son is to be stoned, what would have happened? The father was embracing the son, and if they would have decided to stone the son there, they would have actually hit the father. But, of course, we know the story that the neighbors didn't stone the son on the spot. But you know what, that's really what Jesus did for you and I. Jesus took the hit for you and I. When he died on the cross for our sins. I want to ask a question. How do we run to God then? If God sees our need. If he values us so much that he sent Jesus Christ to pay the price with his shed blood on the cross. If he longs for a loving relationship. How do we run to God? And we see how we can run to God in all three of these parables. And it's through repentance. Repentance is changing our mind of what our view of God is like. And of who Jesus is and what he asks us to do. And when we change our mind, then it follows through a change of behavior. I want to ask you what your view of God is this morning. Maybe some of you are here this morning and you're like the tax collector or the sinner and you don't have a relationship with God. And this morning you're saying, wow, I have a Heavenly Father who sees my need, who sees me as value, who longs for a loving relationship with me, and I want that loving relationship. And if you're here like that tax collector and sinner this morning, I want to encourage you to put your trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, to believe that he died on the cross for your sins and my sins and rose from the dead. Maybe others of you aren't like the tax collector and sinner. Maybe you are like the, the Pharisee or who thought he was a righteous guy. And he thought, you know, I'm doing all these things and I'm righteous and no one else is. And he lives a bunch of legalistic rules. 
And he doesn't really have a personal relationship with a God who sees his need and a God who sees him as valuable and a God who longs to love and relationship with him. And maybe that's how, what you need to change in your thinking this morning. Maybe others of you are like the, the older brother. And what did the older brother say at the end of the parable? He said, Dad, I've been slaving for you all these years and, and look at you treat my younger brother, we'll give him a fattened calf and a robe and a ring. And, and he just thought his relationship with God was just a bunch of slavery and that, you know, it's no fun, there's just no joy. And he missed out on his view of our Heavenly Father and his relationship with Him. Or maybe this morning, you're like the, the prodigal son. And you understood what you need was. You understood that you were lost and you were helpless and you were hopeless apart from God. And you said, I need to run back home to my Heavenly Father. You know, we need to repent of our sin and run to our Father through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 says when we do that, we are adopted as his sons. I love going to bookstores, and a number of years ago, I'll never forget this store, I went to a bookstore and I talked to this manager, and, and she was just talking about how she was in the process of adopting a little orphan girl from a third world country. And she had to go over to this country a number of times and do all the paperwork, and it, took a, it was a long process. But she said, during that whole time, um, this orphan girl's new father, this lady's husband, was never able to go over and, and meet this, this little girl. So the day came to take this orphan girl home back to the United States. And so this little orphan girl gets off the plane. And she's never, ever laid eyes on her earthly new father ever before. So she gets off the plane and she looks out and she sees her new father. And the first thing she does is she takes a mad dash sprint and she runs to her new father. And she goes up and she gives him the biggest hug. And she says, she whispers to him, she says, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving me a name and for giving me value and identity. Because you see, in her country as an orphan girl, if you had no father, you had no name, you had no value, you had no identity. But now that she has a new father, she has value and a name. And when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1 says that we're adopted as his sons, and he says that he has given you value, he has given you purpose, he has come to meet needs, and he longs to have that loving relationship with you. I want to ask you this morning, what does God want you to do? How does he want you to run to him this morning? Maybe there's a wrong thinking that you have about God, and this morning I want to challenge you to repent of that, and run to your Heavenly Father who loves you so much. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Father, that you love me so much. And Lord, you see my need. You see that with me with infinite value. Lord, I just pray this morning that you would help me to walk closely with you. Thank you so much for being an awesome Savior, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.